welcome to today's podcast, which is all about lack of trust in our healthcare system and how it's costing us a lot of wastage. This program is brought to you by the Healthcare Administrators Association, HCAA. For over 40 years, HCAA has supported third-party administrators and the self-insured employer industry through educational opportunities from leading industry experts. For information on joining HCAA, please visit our website, hcaa.org. I'm your host, Ramesh Kumar, and I'm on a mission to bring value to the healthcare industry through improved transparency. And my goal from this podcast is to give you one aha moment that you can implement in your business, whether you are a TPA, broker, or an employer. In my day job, I run a company called Zaki Point Health that helps self-insured employers and their employees find meaning from their healthcare data. Please like or share this podcast on your favorite podcasting tool so we can bring together a community of like-minded professionals. Before we begin, we would like to bring you a word of our sponsor, AMPS, Advanced Medical Pricing Solutions, AMPS, provides market-leading healthcare cost management solutions, serving brokers, third-party administrators, and their self-insured employer clients. AMP's mission is to help clients attain their goals of reducing medical and pharmacy costs while keeping members satisfied with quality healthcare benefits. To learn more about AMP's, please visit them at their website, www.ampsampss.com. Today, we have Kirti Mutaka, CEO of United Ag, to talk to you about the importance of trust in the healthcare system and the carriers, and how it impacts the business of healthcare. You will get to understand and answer three of the following questions. What are the components of trust building for healthcare benefits? What do you need to do to build trust? How to measure the impact of building trust? Let's jump into it. Good morning, Kirti. I'm super excited to have you today on our podcast. One of the reasons, Kirti, I'm so excited is you have talked about in the industry a lot about as a CEO of a health plan, TPA, how trust is fundamental to the way we do business in healthcare. Members need to trust us. The employers need to trust us. And as a fiduciary responsibility, we need to have the right people's mindset. So I'm very excited and you're very passionate about this topic. So, but before we dig into some of the questions today, Kirti, tell us about you and your journey and why should our listeners listen to you today about this topic? Thank you, Ramesh. I don't know between you and I, who is more excited to be on this podcast? I am definitely excited because of what you do from HCAA and what doing this to the podcast, it's really exciting because my first time when I had gone into the HCA conference, I actually walked away uh, with one nugget. And that was so exciting to me because usually when you go into any other conferences or part of an, any other associations, sometimes you don't get that. So I'm excited that you're doing this in partnership with HCA. And I'm excited and honored to be on the podcast. 
Uh, so from my uh, story and why I got into healthcare, I actually have a financial background. I was a CFO at United Ag before I became uh, the CEO. But since I've been the CEO, so I have a numbers background, but my passion is to see uh, what are some of the unique and different things that you can apply to some of the things that we do that impact cost. That That's my passion and that's what... Uh, kind of I do at United Ag. So when you look at relationships, building relationships, so you're looking at building trust with your members or your employer groups, my goal and my passion is to find how does this impact your healthcare cost and does it really have an impact on it? That's what we're trying to do through United Ag. And in doing so in the last couple of years, United Ag has grown from around 80 million in revenue uh, contributions to this year, we are expecting to end around $230 million in contribution. So it's definitely had an impact we have taken and it's exciting and it works. Our membership has also tripled. And so whatever we have tried to do in building those relationships and building, really earning the trust of our members has really helped us. And we want to take it further, right? So when you talk about health plans, so we talk about healthcare and TPAs, we usually talk about networks and benefit designs and other things that can impact the cost. But building that relationship, building that trust, does have an impact, right? And we've kind of proven that at UNADI. You have tried many of these things, and this is great, your experience from CFO to CEO at a health plan. But maybe when you talk about trust and lack of trust, I guess particularly for TPAs or health plans, what, what does that mean in your words? And is it towards like the lack of trust towards providers, employers, plan, politicians? Where, where are we kind of talking about? So I'll give you an example of what's going on today, right, with the vaccinations. And there is a general, so what happens in, what has happened with the example of vaccination is first the politics got into the way, uh, right? And we had misinformation regarding what is should we get the vaccination or not get the vaccination? And especially during the pandemic time, there was so much misinformation going on, that lack of trust was building. People felt that there was no transparency. And what happened because of that, that mistrust trickled down to the healthcare industry and trickled down to our health brands and our employers, our brokers and our TPAs and health plans because the feeling was that things were not being transparent, right? And so when you take that into account in agriculture and in the communities we serve, our vaccination rate is over 85%. And part of that was because we, our industry, trusted our employer groups and trusted our health plan um, where we were transparent on the benefits of vaccination and what we did during the pandemic. So that kind of enhanced the vaccination rate. The part of what happens with our industry is I think the lack of transparency a little bit in the way we do things, or it gets a little bit too complicated for people to understand. And that's where the 
mistrust starts and spreads and we owe it to everybody in our industry and beyond that because this will definitely have an impact on the cost and simple like the example that's just playing out right now with vaccination that's a perfect example because of that mistrust and not getting that adoption rate is going to have a huge impact on our healthcare cost and that's going to trickle down. So we hmm. we just need to be more transparent. I think that's that's the important point in this. Let me press you a bit more. So you've kind of alluded to it impacts costs as well. Why and how does it do it? How does it impact costs by having good trust? And why should a health plan uh, really care about this? So when you take the trust into, uh, you actually had a podcast recently with Ernie Clevenger. And in that, he talks about plan designs and he talks about how do you get the adoption rate and how do you get people's buy-in when you uh, introduce a plan design, right? And he talks about it being voluntary versus forced upon. So when you introduce a plan design, that's in the best interest of your members or your employer groups as it relates to cost and outcomes without having that trust you are not going to get that adoption right you're not going to get that buy-in so you can come up with great networks you can come up with great plan designs you can come up with products and services where you truly know it's based on outcomes and it's based on bringing that overall cost down but if you are introducing this to members and employer groups and they don't inherently trust that you're doing this in their best interest and they feel it's in yours, then there's not going to be buy-in, right? Mm-hmm. And there's not adoption. And so if that happens, that's going to impact your cost, right? I mean, Ernie was perfect and his when he was talking about that, he said, if this is not voluntary, there's no, it's not going to work, right? And for it to do that, you have to have that trust, right? So it mm. all boils down to you trusting your health plan, you trusting your TPA, you trusting your employer group to do what's right by you, right? Not for them. them. And that's when that happens. Mm-hmm. For example, we actually introduced telemedicine a few years ago and we did that as zero copay, not going to deductible. We did the same with our health and wellness centers. Those are clinics that we have across California. Again, zero copay, nothing going to deductible. And we noticed that the adoption rate is higher than in some other industries. And part of that I attribute to the fact that the members and the employer groups kind of understood that this was in their best interest, right? We were doing it for them to have better outcomes and then having that overall impact on the rates or the cost later. In your organization, or more broadly, how have you built that trust? Because you gave two great examples, COVID-19 vaccination rates and telemedicine uptake rates, and I'm sure there are other programs where you've had good uptake. What have you done to build this trust? That's a good question, because it starts off with your hiring process, right? So we serve the underserved in California, agricultural industry and these are some of them these are spanish speakers so there's some language barriers there are some cultural barriers so what we've done is when we are looking to hire we make sure that 
we are hiring somebody who understands that and can relate to that. So I'll give you a perfect story that played out recently. We were doing an onboarding for our member services, our customer services team recently. And I was talking to a few people and there was this one lady who was actually in tears. She was actually in tears. She cried and she's so was asking us, and she said, this is why she loves working at UNIDAG. She said when she was younger, and she remember coming in from Mexico, a new immigrant here, and she said when she was, she remembers being even younger, like an eight-year-old, a 10-year-old, and she said, I used to help my parents get on my, she used to get on the calls and help help parents kind of navigate through this healthcare system because she knew English and they did not, right? And she helped them through this process and felt responsible even as eight-year-old or a 10-year-old. And then now she felt her role was reversed and she felt when people are calling in and they do not understand from a culture or a language standpoint, she actually sees in everybody who calls into United Ag, her, her mom or her dad, right? And so she's providing that service to them. So by doing that, that's our first point of connecting with our members or employer groups because you're forming a relationship with them. So once you feel that it's somebody, your family member on the other side of the line, that's your first connection with them, right? And you build that. We also do this at the health and wellness centers. Uh, During COVID, there was a lot of fear that was going around and a couple of our members when they came into our health and wellness centers and had not necessarily a healthcare issue but other issues going on with kids and other things that happened because of the pandemic and our providers when they heard their stories actually and talked to them they actually followed up later and made sure that that person was okay and made sure that the person, whatever anxiety or what they were feeling, they made sure they offered them the resources that we had and make sure that person was feeling okay at the end. So for us to do that, to reach back when it's not necessarily even a healthcare issue, you build that relationship with the provider, right? And you're going to trust. So we've tried to do this and every, every time you touch a member or any time you are in contact with a member or an employer group, we try to do this, including starting with me, right? So I spend a lot of my time connecting with the members. I do forums. I meet with them one-on-one. I travel. And when you say members, this is your employer partners. Correct, correct. Your yes, membership, yes. got it. Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. So when we say members, the reason we say members is because we are an association health plan and it starts off as members of United Ag, right? So that's the reason members, employer groups. So this is from United Ag. One of the things that we do is called member engagement series where we go in and on the employer fields the night before we actually meet with the management group and listen to their concerns from their standpoint, right? So the employer groups, uh, the VPs of HR, the CFOs and the owners, spend time with them, listen to what their concerns are from a health plan and what they are looking for. And the next day, we actually go out into the fields. So when I say into the fields, this is actually in the field where strawberries are grown or garlic are grown, right? So we are in the field 
we take some of our Spanish-speaking employees and we actually ask the management team not to attend this with us. And we go in and we listen to the employees of these employer groups and spend time with them. We spend a couple hours with them and from them try to understand what are they looking from their health plan and then make changes. So the crazy things come out of that. People sometimes mm-hmm. don't understand what a health plan or a health insurance can be covered and what's not. But we use this as educating them and making them understand on what they can have access to and what they don't have access to. That's worked out very well for us. And again, that's building those relationships with them, right? The way we scale this, so we do this across the boards. The way United Ag works, our health plan works, we have independent brokers and our relationship with independent brokers is also unique because we spend a lot of time to get their buy-in on the United Ag ethos, right? And have that mindset. So so they are doing this on their own too. So we that's how we kind of scale it. And anybody and everybody who goes in and talks about United Ag is talking the same language. And it's all about building relationships and building that trust, right? So that's mm-hmm. our starting point. And the rest of the things comes along with that. So then when you introduce a service or a product or a plan, then you know that you get the buy-in because they are willing to listen, right? So that that's that's our approach. You, you kind of have built the program with them in mind by taking their input and communicating with them throughout. So, so in some ways, they probably feel like this is a program for them, designed for them. Correct. That's our intent. And we don't just talk the talk but we walk the talk and we actually do that. And I, I tell you when we go out and I'm part of this team, but I'm meeting with them and I say, if you have a question, you can reach out to me direct. If member services or customer services or client services does not answer, you can send me an email or you can call me and I will answer that call. Right. So mm-hmm. <laughs> I actually said this at one of the meetings that we had gone to and this one person actually took it I guess her chiropractic claim was not getting played it was like a paid it was a $25 claim Mm -hmm. but she actually reached out to me and she said hey this is a problem right so I actually responded to that within 10 minutes I think that because she was amazed that I actually responded and then I called member services and I found out what happened and I called this person back and I said this is what your issue is so that lady was like so amazed and she said, oh, I didn't expect you to do that. I thought you were just saying it. So she was just, so she was just testing me out a little bit, I think, because I yeah, said it. Yeah. And she was like, oh, this, this person is not going to reply for a $25 claim, right? But, yeah. but then that actually builds that, right? So relation, and she's like, oh, you actually do care. And you actually do do what you say, right? And that's a big part of how we kind of, build those relationships. And that's important. No, I think sounds like customer service is then effectively a big component of this. It is a big component of this. Uh, We call our customer service member services uh, team. And we also have a specialized group within that called member advocacy group. So this is our group of member advocates who actually 
kind of use are very similar to Zappos, if you know, right? The cult- culture of Zappos is they call in and mm-hmm. order a pizza when, before they get the shoes delivered and they do it. That's very similar to what we uh, do because, again, because of who are our members and who are our employer groups, this is the underserved part of California, right? So they have issues where sometimes it's not even like I said, healthcare issues, but our member advocates actually spend time with them and get to know them and then help them. And sometimes some of them are so new to the process that they they don't understand copays, they don't understand deductibles and forget the plan design. So we spend the time educating them and making sure that they don't feel a little bit stupid because they don't understand this. But our thing is, we understand that you don't get this. Let us walk through this and help you through this. So our approach from a member advocacy or a member service to a customer service is to make sure we never ever make that employee or the employer group feel inadequate or a, a little bit. Sometimes you do, right? When you call these customer service and they make you feel like, oh, how, how did you not know this? How come you, be, you don't understand what a copay is? So we never, ever take the way we train our member services and member advocates. We never, ever take that approach. Yeah. A lot of good training, uh, communication. So those are great things. Maybe any kind of overall programs that you have put in place that may have had a secondary impact on this trust building, relationship building. What are some of the programs that you have deployed that you thought, oh, this is great. It's worked out. Well, then. Uh, so last year, so we already had telemedicine, so virtual care, and that worked out for us. But last year, when the need for telemedicine was really high, our provider, Teladoc, was getting really busy because across the board, everybody was doing that. So what we did was we also, in addition to what we had, we converted our health and wellness centers into virtual, providing virtual care too. So our providers started doing that. And our health and wellness centers, we have seven are the ones are owned by us. And we also have partnerships with other clinics and we provide that as zero copay, nothing going to deductible. So we give them that access. And the other thing we noticed last year with this whole pandemic was anxiety issues, behavioral health issues, mental health issues. So what we did, we actually have a forum where we uh, pilot some of startup healthcare startup companies and one such company which was in, was in behavioral health and mental health and we offered that to our membership again at zero cost to the membership for the last 18 months because we felt that the behavioral health needs and uh, mental health needs of that our population was really high so we we are still going to continue that and going forward and incorporate that in the plan design it might look slightly different but when there was a need for it in the last 18 months, we we just implemented that without, actually we did not even, we did the cost analysis, which was a little bit higher on, we would have had to take more on, on our end. But because of what was going on in the world at that time, we decided to take on that cost ourselves and offer this to our membership. These are great things, offering the zero deductibles. Looking forward, like what are some of the challenges that you are seeing or foreseeing as you kind of developing this approach strategy, which is quite intensive, I suspect? 
it is uh, part of what we are trying to see is how do we scale this when we get even bigger, right? So what happens when you triple in size and is this scalable and how do we scale that? So we're spending a lot of time right now thinking through that approach because as you get bigger, your relationships and that kind of might fall through, right? It gets harder. So how do we make sure we can scale this because it has had an impact and it has, you've seen it in our membership and our growth and revenue and just the retention, our retention with our groups is 97%. So once when people join UNIDAC, they stay with UNIDAC. So all that is reflected in the numbers and our next goal would be to scale this model so we can expand into, I'm hoping to other industries as well and see if we can scale this product. That's my, that's our challenge. (laughs) <laughs> exciting. That is exciting. And when you talk about the uh, scaling challenge, is it scaling your customer service, that level of intensive, or is it even relationship providers? Is it the communication? Where are the scaling challenges? The scaling would be the building of relationships with our members and employer groups uh, would be scaling with the providers. We already do do that. So that's, we're doing it well. And we are looking to actually use this very similar to what Ernie again said in that podcast is using this these health and wellness centers as DPC models, direct primary care models, and expanding and creating networks around that. So that's what we will be focusing in in 2022 is how do we take what has been working well with the clinics that we have today and how do we then create a network around that, right? So if a member walks in and gets, right now we have basic uh, things that happen at the clinic, but we want to expand into that and looking at a partnership where we might expand into even having specialist care around it and then your hospital network. So we're working on building that where each one, starting with the United Ag Health and Wellness Center and each one in the provider network has the similar kind of ethos that we have at United Ag and how do you build around that? So that's that's our 2022 project that we'll be working on. Got it. Another question around this price transparency, surprise billing, which I know is effective trying to get to this trust factor, trying to bring level of transparency. How does that play into this? Do you see that bringing more trust for the you know, consumer population or is it really where do you kind of anticipate this and what are the approaches you're taking for it you know that's a very interesting question Ramesh because coming from my CFO background right and numbers background I strongly believe that what gets measured gets improved right and what gets measured and reported publicly improves faster so from that standpoint I think this is a really good thing to happen because when it's measured and it's reported, then things will improve faster. I believe in that. The The act has actually added, so I do understand there's going to be a lot of administrative hassles that will come along with that. And we'll have to make a lot of changes from an operation standpoint, starting with your ID cards, right, and EOBs and a lot of changes are going to happen and it's going to put a little bit burden 
on our industry to implement some of these changes. But I feel, um, and this is my opinion, I feel like as the more transparent you are, the more, more we get to understand how these hospitals and the expenses, we're more transparent from a hospital standpoint, from a drug standpoint, it is definitely going to play a big role in building back the trust. Because right now it feels like a black hole, right? You don't know. You don't know the cost of what your knee surgery is going to cost you. You don't know if this one A, hospital A, is going to charge you the same as hospital B. And all that, I'm hoping, I mean, if we move in the right direction and the intent is towards that, this will go a long ways in building that because once you start doing that, but from an administrative standpoint, I know at this point, all of us are, have a lot, a lot of uh, things to work on. And in the next couple, the timeline that's laid out, I, mm-hmm. I feel it'll be a good thing. What are some of the, you kind of alluded to the administrative operational challenges. What is kind of top of your mind that you've got to solve or nail this as this price transparency rolls in? From our end, from from an administrative standpoint, it's updating, which we've already started working on. Uh, the ID cards need to be updated with some information on it. EOBs have to be ad- updated. Some of the things were actually pushed off until next year, July 2022, mm-hmm. and also later. So these are a couple things that we have to work before the end of the year. So those yeah. two. Got it. So uh, this is great. You talked about measuring. How do you measure trust? How do you quantify it? How do you, what are the metrics you are kind of saying, well, you're holding your hat on. Tell us a little bit more. That's actually one of the things that is really, I have been giving a lot of thought to because just like I said, from a number standpoint and trying to see how do we quantify this, right? I mean, so looking at what we have done through United Ag, yes, tripling in size might be a reflection of that, but to go a little bit deeper and to see, is that really true? And is that where it started? So looking at our retention, that's how, uh, like I said, we are 97% in retention. And part of when we do our surveys or meet with our membership, a lot of that is attributed uh, to the relationship and the trust that we've built with our uh, employer groups. So retention is a big part. Our, the membership or the people, employer groups tripling in size because as the word, as the brand spreads, that this is what we do, that this is a health plan that works for you and is focused on your needs and listening to you that has really helped i'm still kind kind of that's a challenge that i'm working on and thinking through on kind of trying to quantify this and i would have a better answer the next time maybe i talk to you looking at that and trying to really understand that because i actually would like to do the study and see really have metrics around it because like I said earlier, this is a good model and we can we should actually adopt this. And I've seen it play out and I've seen an impact of it. And I've seen that in the growth that we've had at Unidag. But to replicate it, I just need to spend a little bit more time researching right. it and thinking through it a little bit. We'll have to have you back next year to, uh, yeah. to report on that. <laughs> so one last question. 
other TPA CEOs, brokers, benefit consultant employers who are listening to this, how could you break down the steps they could take to build this trust in their trust factor in their business so that they can get those metrics like 97% retention, 3x growth, 80% enrollment? These are great numbers. Tell us what steps they can take. So the steps I would recommend from my experience at United Ag would be any external facing. So if if they have any clinics or health and wellness centers or any outward facing forums that they can actually connect with the members and listen to them and try to understand what the needs are and then connecting it back to what they offer would be the starting point. Once you understand and you listen and see what the needs are. And actually, even if there's a small small thing like replying, uh, call, picking up the phone and talking to somebody and the small things that you can do, doing that because that goes a long way in building that trust. And a couple of things that we have done at UnitedX, the member advocacy program, like I said, is like within the customer service, a group of people who are dedicated on just this, this and doing that. And we also have something called an ambassador program where we actually select the VPs of HR or people who are actually dealing with the explaining those benefits to their employees. We have them in an ambassador program and we actually spend a lot of time with these ambassadors and educate them. And we offer them incentives to be part of this ambassador program. So these are, are the ambassadors who then go out and help spread that word of what's going on at Tunadag. Again, this is one of the things that we're doing from a scaling standpoint, because if just the employees and the brokers at Tunadag cannot do this, who who else can we build the partnerships with and engage with that who actually can then get this word out, right? And explain that what's going on. So the ambassador program is a great thing I would recommend people to do because then you are actually with within the companies building that relationship and the member advocacy program would be the other also the clinics and having some kind of a relationship with clinics and creating that direct primary care uh, program at the clinics is a great way that's really helped united ag and so those are some of the things i would do is that great so how can our listeners get in touch with you if they want to like drill you down further to get insights on these three different initiatives or, or anything else. I'll give them my direct cell phone like I do with all my members <laughs> and I have my direct line that they can contact me so they can call me. So my direct cell is actually 949-689-9199 and they can call me direct there or visit our website, which is unitedag.org. And I would actually love to talk to anybody who's interested in taking this conversation further because that's my passion. And I would like to see more, more of us engaging in relationship building and relation trust building because we, we owe it to everybody in the healthcare industry. And I actually honestly believe that this will have an impact on the overall cost. This is great. I can hear it in your voice, your passion and your dedication to building a more trusting healthcare system that takes care of that member, whether they are you know, elderly, whether they are young, commercial part, whether they are immigrant, 
population working in the farms. This is incredible work that you're doing. So thank you very much for also taking the time to share your thoughts and metrics. I think those are important to help people see why this makes sense. Thank you for your time. Thank you, Ramesh. And I actually want to thank you too because of what you've introduced in your podcast, as I said earlier, and for what HCA is doing because just to get the word out and get these conversations started, we need people like you and we need organizations like HCA to do that. So thank you for what you do because I know this is not your day job, but you're doing this again because of your passion to get a conversation started around things that we can do to change the outcomes in healthcare. So thank you. Oh, thank you. Uh, it's also at CA's leadership team and shout out to all of them who have been behind this concept uh, right from the beginning. So I, I hope uh, we are learning and we will continue to refine these podcasts. We'll definitely have you back in a year's time to share some of those new experiments that you're doing. Thank you once again. Thanks, Ramesh. And I would like to thank AMPS, our sponsor of this show. Please join us again for another podcast in the series brought to you by HCAA's Voices of Self-Funding. Please like and share so we can build a community of like-minded people. And tell us about topics that we should bring to you next. Please watch your email for updates on upcoming guests. I'm your host, Ramesh Kumar of Saki Point Health.